Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about Beef, the 10-episode series starring Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong that Netflix released earlier this year. And I'm happy to be joined by returning guests. First, costume designer Helen Wong. Welcome back. Thank you, Sam. Also joining us is assistant costume designer, Austin Wittick. Nice to see you again, Austin. You too. Thanks for having us. Well, I'm glad to have you guys both here. We had mentioned this as something that was coming out, I think, the last time you guys were on the show. And finally, we can talk about it. A warning for listeners, today's conversation may contain spoilers. Let's start with when you got involved with the project. Helen, why don't you lead us off? I got involved in the project because I had asked my agents for a specific, like, Asian-led project or like with the showrunner or director of being Asian. I just really wanted to do something like that. And so they brought me this series. And when I read it, I was just so impressed. And I knew uh, Lee Sunjin's work. He, it's uh, We call him Sunny on the show. He did the second season of Dave. And I knew that you know, on top of having really good taste, his writing's just very special in a way where it's very relatable and grounded and specific, but it has this sort of like philosophical quality to it. And uh, when I read Beef, you know, it didn't disappoint. It had all those things that were so attractive. And so we had a meeting and um, yeah, and I was just like very excited to sort of express All these things I think I was, that was kind of bottled up inside that I really wanted to express with a show like this. I think it's noteworthy to mention that, again, on the surface, you might think we've got an escalating sort of revenge tit for tat story Mm -hmm. that that could unfold. But to your point, there's a lot of depth, not just to these two main characters, but the supporting cast really fleshed out in a way that is not obvious on the one line summary of the show. And so I can see sort of the interest in bringing these characters to life. Austin, what about you? What got you involved? I mean, Helen had told me about it after she had interviewed. And I think most of the time with Helen, not most of the time, all the time, she has such a (laughs) barometer for projects. And so I follow her lead on it because she knows when she sees good writing. She knows when she sees good stories, when she sees something that will kind of I think galvanize a lot of people and will, you know, create a, like a following behind it. And so I really just follow her lead. And this one, you know, like all of them has done wonderful. Like it is amazing to see kind of how successful it has been and how people have been so invested in the story. Yeah, it's great. Taking a step back to the beginning then, Helen, what is your approach to costuming these characters specifically? You know, for me, I think I have been, you know, since that beginning, I started costuming, you know, Asian characters don't get a lot of, there's a scarcity and they're usually like day players on a show. And so with day players, you can't really explore a person, a character that much because they're there to serve a purpose and a story purpose at that. And so day players are a lot more literal. And I always had problems with it because there's so many things that I want to express in terms of sort of different Asian American cultures and, you know, Asian American regional cultures, especially in California, 
that I didn't get to do. And the show kind of let me do all of it. You know, I think that was a big part of the appeal. And also, you know, for me, when I was reading the story, I was thinking about just sort of economic differences between these characters and regional differences between these characters, which I feel like, you know, when people discuss people's ethnicity and perspective, they don't really go into that because, you know, you're talking about sort of bigger topics. But for me, like to break down a show like this and to break down character like this, you really have to think about like, sort of upbringing and economic background of Amy versus upbringing and economic background at the present for him. For Danny compared to Amy as far as their backgrounds. Yeah. And so that was sort of the starting point is like, how do we flush out sort of these two worlds where, you know, even all the the sub characters like George, Amy's husband or Paul, Danny's brother, how they kind of revolve and how these worlds look when they kind of clash together. And so for Danny's world, I used a lot of, I mean, Danny's world, I felt like I really knew him because he felt a lot like, you know, like my dad and my uncles and, you know, my brothers and, you know, my friends when I was growing up in the valley, in the San Gabriel Valley. And so I sort of, I, I knew that character very intimately and how he should feel. And with Amy, you know, Austin did a lot of research with me where we tried to look at a lot of... um people who are on Instagram a lot who brand themselves through Instagram and what that would look like. Because to me, that really exemplified Amy as a person. I think it's echoing back to what Helen was saying about the day player portion of it. We've got 10 episodes in this, and I feel like that was such a great amount of time to give Allie and Steven like a great arc and to actually see them as characters and like a more encompassing kind of depiction of like a human experience as opposed to the day player you know like the accessory like I think accessory is a really good word people are just they're just tossed in there and you don't get any backstory you don't get any nuances of culture it's just they're just tossed in there and so to have a show like this where you got to see the both of them from start to finish yeah so many points where they're at home they're out and about like you just get to see I think a lot more of the small things that you just don't get to see very often with Asian American characters and so yeah and you know we did a lot of research just because um when we approached all these characters because it was very important for us to really portray people in a way where others recognize them so for Danny I really want the men that I grew up with to see themselves reflected in his character on screen with Amy also to see people and feel like they know people like her you know even with Fumi and George we were talking about how these characters can look more internationally Asian instead of like more locally like Asian American or like even regionally to California Asians so there was like a lot of breakdown of of worlds and trying to like really be truthful to what we're doing. And again, like, I think we looked at every blogger out there, right? Austin for a lot of this. Did. And I will say, I think it's also makes a big difference when you have somebody like Sonny, where this is his life and this is like his lived experience and his perspective, not even perspective, like it's his existence and to have Sonny write it and to hear these words from him and get his like viewpoints on everything versus 
somebody where this is not their lived experience, I think makes such a vast difference just because there's some things you, you will never know unless. Yeah. There's such a shorthand was like, we were talking about structure, how when he grew up, he was, um, do you remember the store structure skid? It does vaguely. Yes. Yes. So all the boys that are Steven Sonny's age. And if you live sort of like in the Valley or something, you just shop at structure. And he even had like a structure belt, you know? that he donated to the show so that Steven can wear. It's just things like that. Like Grace, the production designer, she was like, oh, there's a specific like table that's in all the Korean houses. And like they would have that in his apartment. So it was a lot of like very shared experience and like nuances that we put in there, like Easter eggs for people to be like, oh, I remember that as I grow up, which I feel is like very important on a project like this is because you sort of, want to tear down the monolith that's like Asian American identity, you know, into something more specific. But then you want these like very, very specific things as if to like bear witness to people's experiences, you know, which they've never seen on screen. They've never seen themselves reflected on screen. To your point, captured in a way that is lived in. I'm reminded of past conversations where when we were talking about doing period pieces, just because it's the 80s doesn't mean everyone is wearing yeah. Clothes from the 80s, just because these are Asian households doesn't mean that you're throwing in yeah. a lot of Asian stuff. It's got to be more nuanced than that, I'm imagining. Yeah. It's like, you know, what kind of slippers that they wear, you know, what kind of t-shirts do they wear in the house? Like the items themselves are not are not specific Asian items. I think it comes from like a lot of different immigrant experiences, you know, and things that parents sort of gravitates towards. And even if you look at like things like clothes and furniture, like relics, you know, it's because they buy these things at the supermarket that they go to, you know, or the small stores that they shop at. You know, with Danny, we took care to give him like a Liz Claiborne. The jacket that he wears throughout the movie is like a really old thrifted Liz Claiborne that we found because I remember my dad would go to the flea markets and he (laughs) he would be like, oh, Liz Claiborne, that's fancy. And he would like buy it. But, you know, he can't buy that brand from Macy's. It's like too expensive for him. So like him as an immigrant would go to a flea market and like buy this jacket. And it's just something I vividly remember that I feel like I could bring to this character because it's an experience that my father had. Not that Danny is an immigrant or he has an immigrant experience. It's just sort of the accumulation of all these decision making and life experiences of people. I think the show gave a lot of things context within the Asian American experience that perhaps a lot of the times other shows when they're like just day players or accessories and whatnot, they pick out like just tropes. But I feel like this... You could dive deep. Yes. I feel like it gave so much more of a context to maybe those things you see like once thrown in somewhere, you get a history of why those things exist, what they actually mean. Mm Mm-hmm. There was one aspect of the series that got a lot of attention, and I want to know how costume design ties in. And that is the Amy Lau's character. She changes her hair. It's very obvious. It's actually played as a plot point. I'm curious, when you read that this is going to happen, you know the hair is going to get that kind of attention. What does that mean for costume? I I feel very conflicted about this, too, because especially with women, a lot of times, like, when people write scripts, there's usually like a drastic change. So they'll ask for them to have like new wardrobe or um, like a hair change or something. And for me, my usual impulse with this is let's not have costume follow it because I don't like for me, it 
it's like a TV show thing that people do or a movie thing. It's like not a real life thing. Like people don't just buy all these new things just because they're going through this. They might buy one or two. Getting the haircut is actually kind of more valid than all their their wardrobe sort of changing, you know? And so I don't really like that. And I also don't really like what it says about women that we're just kind of like on a whim, we would just like uproot our whole entire identity. You know, especially with someone like Amy, who's like already super aesthetically very sure of herself. Like she knows who she is. She knows the image that she's projecting. She's very smart when it like comes to that. Like, I just don't think that she would let herself become a different person just because she's going through something emotional. What we did, however, is something that we discussed with Sunny in the very beginning was also because her palette was white and creams in the beginning, because we really wanted to do something surreal with her character and sort of like contrast her emotional state is that when we hit sort of when she starts cutting her hair, we did give her clothes that are a little bit more colorful. So like all the silhouettes are the same. All the brands are the same brands that we had put her in. It's just that she would wear blue or she would wear, you know, like a graphic or, you know, so it would just be something that had, she would wear green, but the clothes are still the same clothes that she would wear. It's just like the color would be brighter. But just for that small period in the very middle where things are really out of control. And then after that, we took her back to her beiges and her creams. And so that was something that was discussed in the very beginning. But that was also something that I was comfortable with, you know? It is sort of how we operate. It's just like we don't really like um, to it's, go with normal women. Small shifts. Because like I was saying, it's not really natural. Of course. <laughs> somebody to just like wake up and be like oh today a new haircut a whole new wardrobe like <laughs> practical in terms of like economically you're just going out and you're spending all this money randomly when you just woke up and felt like it so like smaller shifts I think to incorporate this stuff with the hair felt much more yeah. as opposed to you know something drastic I also don't really like when it's like a written plot point to make over a woman I always find that really ins- insulting <laughs> Like, let's stop making over women in, in TV and movies. Because it does. It makes it seem like it could be like a lack of confidence or what, like a lack of unsureness in oneself. But she's very sure. She's a very confident character. You know, yeah. like that first scene of her driving, that's a confident person. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a wallflower. <laughs> no, that is not a wallflower. Well, talk to me about some of your other favorite costumes, whether it's a specific character and what you designed for them or just sort of scenes where there were maybe our extra characters or other aspects of it that you found enjoyable from the costume perspective. I think my favorite thing, maybe one of my favorite things was the, uh, the big club scene. Yeah. Things that take more research and more diving into, again, like the nuances and like the subtle things within different cultures is really fascinating and fun to learn about that. And so going in and like doing research on different clubs around town, different clubs around K-Town and seeing like what people wear. We did a lot of Instagram stalking on free and night clubs in K-Town. <laughs> and it's so much fun because with, especially with Instagram, you're looking at like real people, you know, you're not looking yeah. at like ads or editorials, like you're looking at like What's your group of kids going to wear to the club on a Thursday night? ABGs and Asian baby girls and, yes. you know, what the Korean guys wear to the club. It's really funny because on the day, on the day of uh, the Korean club, we actually had a lot of non-Koreans as background and they just did not get the memo on how no. this is supposed to look. <laughs> 
I actually was stuck at home with, um, cause I was quarantined for COVID cause I was in contact with someone with COVID and Austin was stressing people on set. And he was just like, why do all these people look like they're going to Whole Foods? <laughs> I think it really shows how important like everybody to be on the same page of getting the right people to be in this club. And if it was full of white people, it does not, it just does not fulfill the mission of the scene. Because I think they had the description because it's like, you know, Korean men do wear like when you write it down, it's like they're wearing T-shirts and, and, you know, jeans and stuff. And but it's like very specific things. And so like when you just read it, that's why I think people came looking like they were going to Whole Foods because they just like didn't know what that aesthetic like was. It doesn't translate. That's the it like that. like, yeah. But Austin, how do you recover from that on the day? It was the worst day of his life. You focus. You focus really well on the people who actually are supposed to be there. And so you make sure that they're dressed great. And then you kind of just communicate to the ADs to be like, look. There's only 25 people. These 25 people. Keep shooting these 25 people. You called in 100 people. Those other 75 do not exist. Do not not involve them. They should just be little heads bobbing in the background. These 25 people should surround Steven in the club. They should be like in front of the camera. But like to just communicate that because otherwise they'll just throw in whoever and it does not. I actually had to text Sunny and I was like, look, Sunny, there's not enough Asians going to this Asian club. I think you need to come down and see the background. And so he came down and like personally picked out who gets to be in the scene. They like threw in like their personal assistants, like any Asian they could find, they threw it in the club. And then that's why it's shot the way it does, where people in the background were really kind of fuzzy is because of the issues of the day. But I I just thought that was like really funny where what people need to wear for the scene is so specific that again, it's like a lived experience. Like unless you really study like Instagram or pictures or reference pictures, you would just like not know how to come dressed, you know? Now, you mentioned these Asian baby girls, and I'm not quite sure that I picked those out. Does that describe something specifically as far as how you wanted people to, to look? ABGs are kind of like, actually, Skid, I, I am not sure I could actually explain it. But what are some of the, the style aspects of ABGs, Austin? <laughs> Big hoops, hoops. Big hoops. No pattern. Some great heels. Remember like killed booties or like thigh highs? Didn't we put, I feel like we put some thigh highs. Put some thigh highs. Or like good good denim crop tops. Yes, good denim shorts. It's it's just something you have to look at because they uh, also like the hair is very specific, the makeup is very specific. But it was something that everyone was really excited about dressing. But it's really hard to explain. And I think like what we're having at this moment of trying to explain these things, it's harder because you, when you say it, it's like very specific simple things, but they're very specific, simple things. Can you cast for the sense that people would self-identify and show up correctly, or you had to sort of manipulate it? We had two featured ABGs and they were like, when they came to the fittings, they had like bags and bags of clothes. It was like amazing. And they dressed themselves and they were like, this is what I would wear to the club. And I was like, you are amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I will say two points to this. One, I think this whole situation does kind of paint the picture of like lived experience great because one of the girls I was helping to fit and I didn't get very much and then Helen stepped in and was like oh wait no actually this is how it should be and I was like I would have I can only go so far with the research and then I was like actually I think these other things kind of like make it much more um authentic or like I think it painted the picture better and I also think all of this 
proves a good point of how important costumes is because there are certain words that can't yeah you can't describe it like you can't describe this like we could go I'm sure back and forth about this all day to find words and I don't think anything would paint the picture as importantly and accurately as having the physical pieces there in person and putting it together in such a like authentic and honest way to where like words would not be able to get you that same image if that makes sense which is why I think sometimes like you know when people talk about representation below the line that's that's the important part is the unex un the non-verbal understanding of how something should look like whether it's hair whether it's clothes you know you know even production design it's just you need more voices that have many different experiences and it's very important when you have a project to get people who sort of understand what the aesthetic outcome should be you know the words can only take us so far i think in terms of visual description yeah i really loved Steven's club outfit because we did his club outfit like when I used to club and that was very different than what people club now we thrifted all his clothes by the way we did costume house and thrifted all his clothes so Allie was like we scoured the internet and bought her all this like beautiful expensive things and then Steven was like goodwill (laughs) and so like for the club scene we were like oh he hasn't been to a club in a really long time so a lot this happens a lot with like Steven's character Danny it's like he doesn't have a point of reference. Him as a person like doesn't grow in terms of like aesthetics, you know? Like I really view him as a guy that stopped trying to dress himself around 25, you know? And then everything else that he's wearing is sort of like a memory of what things should look like. If he if he needs a new pair of shorts, he would buy a pair of shorts to replace that pair of shorts. He's not the type that's like, let me be up on this season's newest clothes, you know? And so when we, ha- we dressed him for the club, it was like what guys wore two clubs like basically in the early 2000s you know so he wore like a black shirt with like a white v-neck under the structure belt square toe shoes it was all of that when he went to church he wore like a cornflower blue shirt that was like extremely popular in the late 90s and like extremely like jc penny looking but like jc penny from like 1998 And so it was like those small details. That's why his outfits to me was like very special because it was like little time capsules. Obviously like Fumi and George were like super fun to dress, but I can't pick an outfit from there because they were so fun. Maybe it's not even an outfit for Fumi. I would say that with Fumi, it was a great like process with her. Fumi's the character that's Amy's mother-in-law. Yes, yes. And when we first started out with her, it felt like a more kind of dead on literal approach with Comme des Garçons and Junior Watanabe. And then I feel like on our second and third round with her, it got to be more natural where you're starting to put in other labels and we were playing more around with more, I think like shapes and different ways to style it as opposed to what we were first looking at, which was, you know, just one label head to toe. I think that's why like the show is really important because like if you're a day player with someone like Fumi, you get like one or two fittings, you know, with Patty, with Fumi, we did like six before we like really nailed it down, you know, but like sometimes you need six fittings to get like a very specific person. And I think that's the luxury of doing a show like this is like you get to really play with the the characters, you know, and really get them right. I think in the end, she wore a lot of vintage Isi Miyake and it softened her up for the character that Sunny wanted. But yeah, I, I think, again, it's like when you have a show like this with so many 
Asian American characters, you could really like take your time and work with them. So you get the most nuanced version of the character instead of like the first read of a character. And because they're in multiple episodes, yeah, subtleties that you set will reinforce over time rather than just making, a, as you said, this accessory appearance in and out yeah. and having to make a quick impression. There's just more time for all of these supported characters to, yeah. to realize. Obviously, a lot of subtle and important work to bring this show to life. It's also getting great reviews. And so congratulations to both of you and really appreciate you guys breaking it down for us. On that note, we'll call it a wrap. Great being here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us today. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, logoline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media, so check it out. Now, where are we going to see you guys next? I know there's a writer strike going on. Last time you mentioned you guys were working on The Penguin. We're still working on The Penguin. <laughs> we're paused because of the writer strike, but hopefully we'll get right back into it. You know where you better come talk about it. All right, I will be watching for that. My closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Wong for our logo, and all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again for Below the Line.